Welcome to the new episode of Full PR Radio Chrome with a very special guest, Leonard, the one and only Freud. Today we're going to discuss a lot of uh, issues about economics and geopolitics, especially yes. Atlantic relations. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Never surrender. At your service. That nobody should put others at risk without having harm for themselves. That's one small step for man. It's been time to be a leader. But now, at least for a few minutes, I welcome you the peace of my own home. <laughs> uh, I definitely still get off on that intro. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Leonard. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Guys. What do you think of our intro, first of all? I think it's very uh, atmospheric. I, uh, I, I do uh, wonder what this means for uh, like copyright issues, but maybe that's, for, uh, <laughs> that's not my problem. But. Yeah, we got sued by, by Churchill's ghost. It was horrible. Well, he's very eloquent, uh, I've heard. So uh, yeah. Okay, I so Len... Like I, we're well, here in the show. You're a friend of the show, a friend of mine, and I know you from um, the Atlantic Youth, um, which is uh, an organization we both worked for, and uh, still are like board members of like the youth department, and uh, that's all about geopolitics, Atlantic relations, etc. So it's one of the things we're going to talk about today. But we're also going to talk about another thing you know a lot of, um, which is more having to do with economics. So maybe you can like um, introduce yourself, tell us what you do, and um, yeah, what, what you can share with us today. So first and foremost, uh, let me say that I am not an economist, so don't take my uh, my analyses of anything too seriously. What I do do is work a lot with entrepreneurs in my professional li uh, life for a, a consultancy organization where I, I help them uh, mainly with with uh, collecting investment uh, and working on their business uh, business strategies, uh, things like that. Uh, and usually in the like smaller uh, to mid-sized uh, companies, and they're being... Uh, right now, they're hit really hard by this crisis. So I see that from first or second hand, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be interesting. Uh, I've, I'm trained as a historian and a Europeanist. So the, the geopolitics angle is a bit more in my my educational expertise, I would say. But uh, I have an opinion on everything, so you, you can ask me <laughs> the way, and I will, I will just. Uh... That's good. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we ever made the disclaimer that, that we actually. Like, I mean, we we have an opinion on any any everything as well, but we also, never made the disclaimer you made, which we definitely. I, should I mean, have. I'm not as deep in philosophy or modern politi political theory as you guys are, so uh, just. Uh... <laughs> Well, you're in Correct you're in way too mind. deep, Alan. <laughs> okay, um, but you're also like you also you've had for years, right? Your own like little self enterprise, like. Yeah, like still, uh, like I'm a freelancer. I uh, I have a business. I used to use that business as well to to sustain myself. Uh, I'm really happy right now that I am on a contract because now I get paid. Uh, but for a lot of my other fellow freelancers, this is. Not the case, at least not in the way that they are used to. Uh, they do get some support from the government, but uh, that's not a lot for uh, a single household. It's uh, around a thousand euros, so that's 
Like I live uh, in Amsterdam, as some of you might know. Um, I mean, I mean there's barely the rent there, so <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. Then uh, s- good luck on surviving on a thousand euros a month here. Because uh, is, did all your like all your sales stop? Like uh, like being self-employed? Are you? Don't you have any offers anymore? Or well, I have some things in the air also because not all my uh my work was very much related on these event businesses but some of it was so that is totally gone uh most of my marketing and communications uh clients are very low-key right now Uh, there's just some yeah maybe possible things i could do for for consulting agencies now uh in supporting them but uh, then again, I'm on a contract now. I'm very happy. I still have an income and I can pay my rent. So that's uh, for some yeah, cool. of uh, some of my friends in non-vital sectors. It's it's really hard because okay, he also he also told me before that you have now some some people you work with for your actual like, job. And did you hear some horror stories about or not horror stories like some difficult stories about the uh, the eight packages and how how companies are struggling with that? And I was it was quite interesting. Well, yeah, I, I speak to a lot of companies and uh, we're also with my, my business now. Well, the business that I work for, we're doing direct uh, Corona help tracks to help them with these all these measures that the government have taken, the whole support package. Uh, but you know how it is with policy. It gets made for very specific situations. And if you fall out of the categories that they set, then you can have a problem. Uh, one striking example I had, I had a session with a, a woman who owned a, a catering service uh, and a restaurant uh, in Zuid here somewhere. I'm not going to tell name and shame them. No, I, I won't <laughs> name and shame them, but uh, they just like in the, they have, uh, they have a terrace outside. Um, they just hired uh two new staff members or three new staff members in February uh, so they could run the summer, so they can run their terrace. So they, because uh, they make most of their, their money, they make it in the summer months and in the spring. Uh, with this now measure, uh, where the government chips in up to 90% of the labor costs or uh, salary costs, uh the 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 measure month they take is january so for a lot of seasonal labor for a lot of restaurants but also in agriculture you can name a bunch of things this is a, a really big problem because they check who was on the payroll in january but if you hire all your staff in february or march good luck yeah so, so they have to pay full salaries to these to these employees or yeah yeah, well, they, they are obliged to pay the salaries and also they're, they're obliged to pay the rent and they have all their, uh, their, 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 their costs. They don't go away all of a sudden. You, maybe you can strike deals with your landlord or uh, your suppliers, but then you're in the hands of the goodwill of other people. And that's really difficult for entrepreneurs right now. Are, are not a lot, like a lot of these employees just being laid off at this point or is it difficult? Well, I don't know if you are very familiar with Dutch labor law, but uh, it is very difficult to lay off employees. Also, if you want to 
because they are changing these uh, these measures all the time. Uh, if you want to use the now, so this is the credit for for uh, paying salary costs, you cannot fire employees for economic reasons during the period that you want to use it. Not a single one, like no. But so that means the now takes the measurement month of January. Yeah. And then, for example, this company then, then hired people in February. They can't lay them off uh, if they want to make use of that now for the other employees that were in on January or not. Is that how I should get in? Uh, excuse me. Can you repeat the question? So you, you have your staff in January. That's the, the mm -hmm. counting month they use for the yeah. now as well, right? Yeah. And then you hire new employees in February, and then you can't um, you can't get rid of them because then you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be able to use the now for the people in January. Yeah, well, it depends a bit on the situation here as well, uh, because you can get now for three months. You can get it from March up until May, uh, for from April up until June, or May up until July. So you you could maybe consider firing people now, which is yeah, not free. Exactly, yeah which is not free because you would, would have to still strike a deal with them. Depends on the contract. Some of them might still be in their temp phase. Um, so th there might be something possible, but also you don't want to fire your staff no, because no. a lot of these entrepreneurs are still hoping or expecting to open up shop uh, in as soon as it's possible and some of them hope it hope it will be very fast but there's a lot of uncertainty about that and um for... what, what do the, what do these people think of 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 the of what the government is doing like both in terms of like the shutdown and the communications about it but also in terms of the relief packages do they think it's efficient or well yeah you you hear mixed signals of course some of the sectors uh they get real direct support uh, like the event, the event branch, um, uh, barber shops, and now also some retailers that have to close. Uh, they can apply for this four thousand euro, and they get it cash, uh, tax exempt. But there was a whole problem. There was a whole problem with these codes. They're called SBI codes, like uh, Standard Bedrijfsregistratie, uh, something like that, at uh, the, the Chamber, Chamber, of of, Chamber of Commerce here. Uh, and in the beginning, a lot of the entrepreneurs that actually were working in these branches but did not have the right code, they did not, uh, they, they were not entitled to this funding because their code was not there. And these codes were sometimes registered decades back. Uh, businesses change, businesses change all the time. Sometimes yeah. your your main activity changes over time with the people that work there or you decide that something that works and you pivot. Um, so a lot of these people suddenly were like, at the first press conference, they were really happy because they said everyone will get this cash so they can, can pay their, 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 their standard costs. Uh, and then the specifics of the, the, the package, they came out and it turned out that they were not in the package, even though they thought so. Uh, so a lot of them are really angry. Uh, yeah, because at the beginning, it, it really seemed like it would be very easy and for everyone in that sense. I mean, if if you get a promise like that, you have to be suspicious in some sense. But it's yeah, it's, it, it, you have a lot of negative um, noise about it now. 
Yeah, well, the 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 package was announced on Friday, uh, or it was released on Friday, like with the specifics, uh, and mm -hmm. it opened up during the weekend. Uh, so there was not really anywhere that they that they could complain instantly because it was the weekend, and we still yeah. sort of have those even during Corona times, uh, and the government still sort of has those. Um, uh, but during that weekend already also in the press and um just for, from people on social media it, it became clear that a lot of entrepreneurs were very upset about this uh so they the, the government i have to give them some credit here they acted pretty quickly they set up a system where they could uh complain if they their sbi code didn't check out uh, and they could uh, register it at the RVO, which is the, the, the government service for entrepreneurs here. Uh, but then again, that takes time. So if you expect to get it fast yeah. here. Uh, but so they, they do adjust it on, on the road in that sense. They do make, oh, okay, but this sector might also yes. be eligible. Yeah. Well, what, what I think a lot of entrepreneurs, but most people do understand right now that these measures, they are crisis measures. So they are usually it takes months, even years to make legislation right now because this also something i wondered len is um because because one of the things we like to talk about is the concept of fragility and anti-fragility and about how sort of this corona crisis highlights systemic problems within our society within our economy etc we talked about like the fragility of global supply chains and so before mm -hmm. but what do you think this um this crisis has revealed about say the dutch labor market or dutch like labor economics in general because i think i think it's quite revealing but i wonder what your what, what your opinion on that is. well here we move away a bit again from the the sme side and into uh the dutch labor market which is very much sustained by a, a big force of freelancers we have about one and a half million freelancers i think in the netherlands mm -hmm. uh the highest highest percentage of any country in Europe. Um, these are all quote unquote entrepreneurs, but a lot of them actually are not entrepreneurs. They work for one client, one bigger client. Um, they don't get paid enough uh, to have the same benefits as an employee would have, but they basically do the same work that an employee would do. Uh, one of the weaknesses in our labor market, and this is very Dutch, maybe in other countries they have it too, but because we have more freelancers here, it's more severe here, is that you, you can't leave these people with nothing. Uh, a lot of them don't have buffers. Some of them are also young. So yeah, maybe they don't have buffers either. But uh, yeah, the, the idea of entrepreneurship and taking risk is that you build a buffer for crisis times uh, for, for, yeah. for when, when business is bad. Uh, I think this type of crisis where suddenly you have to close up altogether, there's no entrepreneur, big or small, that can account for this in their books whatsoever. I mean, maybe Wimbledon, they're very lucky because they had an insurance somehow, but... Um, yeah, that's something they insure, like, to give some context, you know, Wimbledon had an... It was specifically insured against pandemics yeah. against which against great but unknown that, diseases which is very yeah. rare and it was very expensive insurance as well uh but yeah smaller businesses but, and freelancers they can do this of course it's not no but 
I have to note, I want to note is that if Wimbledon can do it, Boeing could do it too. KLM could do, yeah. could have done it. Uh, these companies are way more fragile or should be more fragile to like these kind of events than Wimbledon is. So this, like, I, I agree, especially with like small businesses, especially if that's the media climate is not like that and people are not telling you to make these giant buffers, you know, yeah. it's difficult already. The taxes are high for them. But especially these big corporations, they should have done more. I really, I really think it's also easy now to think to say, "Oh well, you know." It's... Definitely, but but even I would even say as as a freelance, I mean, Leonard, I would love to to get get your view on that. But like as a freelance, you 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 choose most often to become a freelance. I mean, in, in the Netherlands, I, I know that it's very attractive sometimes to become a freelance because you in, in my case probably this was also the case, yes, because you you get more for freelancing, yeah. But you also have to do more. You have to do your own accounting. Uh, you have yeah. to, to to build your own buffers. Uh, and I had a, I did jobs where I could ask a high enough, uh, uh, yeah, stipend to be able to sustain myself, put something away uh, in case something went wrong. I did not have uh, insurance for, uh, for 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 some things that I maybe should have. Uh, yeah. For example, if I wouldn't be able to work, I didn't wasn't insured for that because it's really expensive. Um, maybe that's something we should do collectively. I don't know, uh, but I think maybe during this crisis, this these are definitely some things we have to think about very deeply with each other. How we want uh, to to safeguard our own well-being uh, for for the society as a whole, not just for for uh ourselves as individuals one of the one of the the pillars behind this whole freelancer yeah cultism i might even say in the netherlands or where well, it was a it's a big discussion also between you have a lot of freedom but maybe you're also being exploited um one of the things is it, it's up to people themselves if they want to do this then they should be allowed to and yeah. I consider myself to be a fairly liberal guy, but in these times, uh, I, I get to reconsider some of my own views as well. Uh, I don't know. Should we yeah. drop one and a half million people like that? But you know, I, I do understand like in, in a situation like this, it, it's it's hard to, to look at something, but more generally speaking, I would say, I mean, you make the trade-off to become a freelance, and, and I mean, this is very generic, but you make the trade-off, you want to become a freelance because you probably earn more, you have other freedoms that you normally wouldn't have. But do, don't you also think that a lot of these freelancers don't take into account, like, for example, a crisis like this, but also other uh, benefits they would normally get at a, um, at a company, due to which also their salary would be lower? Well, for this, well... Apparently, bigger players uh, don't take the, these sorts of crises into account as well, uh, as uh, Lodewijk stated earlier. earlier yeah, true. Uh, KLM is struggling. Uh, a lot of big companies are struggling too. Uh, but they have a bit more uh, fat on their bones, I would say. For freelancers, yes, of course. It's a choice you make uh, to have more freedom, to be flexible with your hours, to make more money for the hours that you work. Uh, also, you have to do... yeah. Uh, arrange your own business a bit better uh and but it's i think most freelancers that do highly skilled professional jobs 
they think about this really well and they have the, the luxury to think about this as well. Like I can do this as an employee, make this have certain benefits, uh, but I have to be there from nine to five uh, and I only have four weeks off per year maybe. Uh, maybe I can get a car from the company, but uh, hey, I can make more money as a freelancer. And these are probably the types of freelancers that have more money as well. But you also have the lower end of the spectrum right now uh, where you have people doing not very highly skilled jobs like uh, delivering food uh, or delivering meal or even in uh, hospitality services. Uh, you need to be able to do something. You, you can make a bit more money, like especially for students, this can be very attractive because you think you make more money, but you don't take into account that when you get hurt on the job, for example, that's your problem. It's it's not a good structural situation, I think. But I think also, like, before we, like, because um, I think there's a lot to say for, like, buffers, et cetera. Yeah. But I think one of the things we should also take into account is that these days, um, first of all, our parents lived through times in which you could have on a normal savings account, which approximately, like, zero risk, you could have an interest rate of what was, I think, like, 5 6%. Yeah, like, like, risk in, like, risk-free interest is out. It's just not in the picture, maybe forever. Um, so it's very hard to actually save money, uh, or at least it's like made way less attractive than it used to. And also the rents are just so damn high, especially in the cities where a lot of these freelancers work, like, you know, the big cities of Holland, uh, fewer and fewer people actually own property, especially young people. Um, the, the rents are very high. So back in the days, it used to be easy. Like, so we made more people dependent on being sort of self-sufficient mm -hmm. and saving for themselves while at the same time reducing their, the attractiveness of these things. So I think that's a bit of the clusterfuck we put people in. And, um, and yet it's very unfortunate. And, and that's like, you can't do both things at the same time. You should either like do it all like collective and stuff, or you should like make it at least attractive or to, to yeah. yeah. To make these buffers. And to make these yeah, buffers. So where <laughs> should these buffers be is also a good question. Should companies account for this uh, for themselves? Should we oblige them? to account for this for themselves or yeah. should we do it as a society as a whole uh yeah. publicly i don't i don't know uh i don't know what the best solution is but it's definitely something that's worth thinking about yeah surely yeah by the way we want to ask you another like before we're going to start on like the more like uh, political stuff uh, and is um so last last uh, last time we we did the show we we talked about 8d music are you into that 8d music you know what it is? <laughs> I'm uh, uh, I'm 29. I uh, <laughs> how uh, <laughs> <laughs> very this old. This is super like it's very. This is very cool, man. You'll like it. So it's this technology. Like Thomas can like we explained the technology a bit before. Yeah. Uh, but it's like this technology in which you can actually hear. The, you put oh headphones yes, on, you yes. Can hear I, the music I've, I've all heard around the song. I, I have immersive headphones. It was really nice. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's cool. So we talked about it last time because this is one of the cool things happening now. And we promised our listeners that um, this time in the podcast we would um, we would put an A to D song and see if, if that works out, you know. Uh, so we were thinking about which one to do and we were a little bit like also so doubting and we came up with two final um, final choices. So you can make the you can make the call. So the first one is uh, classical. And it's the L'Inferno, the Winter by Vivaldi. You know it? Uh, of course I do. It's beautiful. 
Yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. And the second one is like uh, is uh, tr- uh, Travis Scott and Kendrick Lamar goosebumps, specifically the Kendrick Lamar Ooh, part. This is very hard choice. These are both songs I like a lot. Uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a pretty eclectic uh, taste in music, but I think I will go for the classical one just because that will be nicer on my headphones. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna do it. Only right decision. <laughs> so here we are. In fairness, it's a very highbrow podcast. What do you think? That was beautiful. It's really nice. This yeah, right, was it almost was like I was uh, in the Concertgebouw here, which is close. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very bummed out about it. So, um, yeah, it was really nice to be able yeah. to experience this in this way. It's you, a, you could literally hear like every single violin sp- playing for, for, for yeah, itself. It was, yeah. It's a very Krachtenkorda reference for you. Atlantic. Yeah, well, at the Netherlands Atlantic Youth, <laughs> I'm known for being the epitome of Amsterdam arrogance. Well, right now, we, we, we don't have that much to brag about, except for it being pretty, because it's just as boring here as everywhere else. So, yeah. No, but it's great. You've, like, no, no, it's not great, sorry. But you find, <laughs> this summer, people in Amsterdam will experience how it is to live in a city again. Uh, like, instead to, of an entertainment in park. With, like, uh, a village. To live yeah. in a village, but then but, but, very, very pretty. And with nice art. Let's really help all the Nutella stores. Well, there, only, oh, only one company went bankrupt so far during this crisis in Amsterdam, and it was uh, mm-hmm. a company selling Stroop waffles. So that was oh, they, oh uh, good. Even good. Good. and well, also that, that awful ticket store. The awful ticket store. Which one? Which, yeah, like the, the the chain of of ticket oh, stores yeah. everywhere in Amsterdam. Ticketmaster, uh, sort of. Oh, the hop on, half off stuff, or well. Yeah. I, I I think it is. I think it is. But I think I think you will be surprised. I think this summer you'll see decreased tourism, which will suck, right, for Amsterdam as an economy. But I think some of the people living there, like you know, the the, the Facebook page, like get for yes, Amsterdam. yes, of course. <laughs> my, my former roommate was very active on there. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> so they will be relieved. They love Corona. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a secret felt by them. I, I don't know what the. Society of the friends of uh, the inner city will do right now because they don't won't have anything to complain about. So um, no <laughs> shit, the Corona crisis is <laughs> hitting everyone. No, but they don't have to because this was what their activity was on Twitter during work time. You know, now they're at home. Yeah, I had this so. conversation with uh, on Zoom, of course, social distance, uh, with uh, mm-hmm. some people from the political party I'm a member of. I'm not going to say which one. Uh, earlier today, and they said, "Yeah, we." thought of policy to make uh, for a situation that is not relevant at all anymore about how wide we would have to make the sidewalks for people to be have terraces and get all the tourists to fit there. Well, maybe right now we can use it for one and a half meters or something. Uh, but 
yeah. <laughs> I get it. You now don't want to say what party you're a member. <laughs> but but by the way, like to link, I have a great idea to link the economy with the um with the like geopolitics because we're like we're Atlantic youth, right? So we talk about we talk about NATO all the time, and as like many of our readers will know, there's a two percent norm of NATO. In which two percent of your GDP should go to military expenses. That's a NATO deal, and like now, probably there won't be extra money for defense in Holland. But if our economy is going to crack, then we might get to the two percent. Yeah, well, if uh, our defense budget stays the same, we don't cut on that, and our economy shrinks by uh, what is it today? IMF said seven percent. We might yeah. almost be there already. No, 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 that's not true. But. So this is great news for the Atlantic youth. <laughs> well, we, we we will have it easier with Trump then, I guess. But uh, yeah, if, yeah. if he still will be president. Sure, but, Trump. Um, what, what do you think about it? Will he be well, president? Apparently so. There are both sex offenders running now. So um, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, I have no clue. Last time I thought he wouldn't win, uh, even though it didn't surprise me. Um, I'm not gonna make any predictions on that now because uh, that that that's come to bite me in the ass. I I say so. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the house always wins when you bet on Trump. I think it's it's yeah. difficult. But he he's taking bold moves now. He he he, he they're gonna leave the WHO, which yeah. they're not contributing to it anymore. Yes, which is uh, you, you can debate if this is a sensible thing to do. Like some of the criticisms they have of the WTO are fair, I think. Uh, it is. It, it has been, uh, according to analysts who are uh, way more equipped to say this than me. It has been very much on the hand of China, uh, basically pushing the Chinese version of health policy also in during this crisis. But then again, um, maybe it's a bit. Well, what's the Chinese version of health policy? Uh, well, I'm no China expert. I'm a transatlanticist. So y- y- you can enlighten me on that with you, uh, you bunch of uh, lefties. But um... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, I think, I think it's something to do with wet markets. I think that's their strategy. Uh, wet markets <laughs> is very sensible too. Yeah, of course. Wet markets everywhere. Uh <laughs> I have a very <laughs> nice canal next to my house here, so maybe we can have one there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's maybe the same discussion as w- that Brexit had a bit. Um, do you have more influence on a club when you're in it or when you're out it? I don't know. Uh, probably when you're in it, maybe not as much as you want. And maybe you don't want to be part of the club at all. That's uh, their decision to make. Um I think they could have used their political leverage a bit more or better to push their own points. Uh, but I mean, all, uh, supranational organizations like this, especially if you call yourself the, the World Health Organization, then they, they probably want them back as soon as possible. Like this gives them a great amount of leverage, don't you think? To some extent, to some extent. But uh, you also have to think right now, the biggest contributor uh, to the WHO, WTO, H O um, is China. So, and it's not necessarily so that the one who pays the most has the biggest say as this whole situation uh, underpins a bit. But um, if China doesn't want anything to happen, if they're, they're comfortable with 
the U.S. being out there, having the U.N. Uh, yeah, have, or having the U.N. in their back pocket, then because this this is what I wondered like too, more Jenny. By the way, like you said, trade before, like this is actually very funny. Trump on his press press conference, like he confused also like uh, like the World Trade Organization yeah. and WHO, I think, and then he said, "Well, World Trade will have." Which is worse? Which is worse? They're both bad. I don't even know. They didn't even say organizations. He just said World Health and World Trade. Well, are technically, like bad. he's right <laughs> at the moment. So, uh, yeah, well, even though trade's still flowing, it's not uh, at the same level as before the crisis. And World Health is also um, not, it's not, not good. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, this is maybe, maybe because you're, I think you're, you're like pretty big on multilateralism, right? Uh, on like international I, uh, organizations and stuff. I cannot say that I am not a fan. Uh, I am a fan. Uh, no. I am a fan of what we have built up after the Second World War. I think it did lead to peace. I do not think it is functioning as it should be right now. And of course, it has its problems. But uh, talking is better than fighting. That's my take. Oh, I, def I definitely agree with that. But for example, like I thought about this whole WHO thing. And and maybe it's a bit of a stupid thought, or maybe like everyone with any knowledge of this will correct me. But why do we need a WHO? Like I think this is what they're for, right? The whole pandemics and people have been quite critical. What's the point, really? Like why why do why does the world need a health? Um, well, for situations like this, and if it's not functioning the way it should be in a situation like this, then maybe we should not think of getting rid of it, but how to improve it so the next time a crisis like this happens. Uh, we can coordinate it more centrally, uh, even though that maybe means up giving some sovereignty. Um, you, you would have to set the parameters really strict because I'm also like one of the, the, the things that is beautiful about the idea behind multi multilateralism after the Second World War was that countries have to do it for themselves unless they cross a certain boundary or unless a certain boundary is crossed in another way. With health, it could be viruses or pandemics. Uh, I think if, if the WHO would have any actual political power right now and they could coordinate centrally, maybe this would be better. Maybe, but but on the uh, but on the other hand, I mean, if if they they made the wrong judgments now, I would would fear what would happen if they would have polit actual political power and, and would well, still make those wrong judgments. I mean, in, in a previous uh, podcast, in our first one, actually, we talked about uh, anti-fragility and, and, and decentralization, I think. Mm -hmm. And then the good thing about that is that you have multiple points of error in your system. And if you have that all centralized, especially if you add political power to something like that, you centralize that failure and, and failure, and therefore the impact will be much worse than if a couple of small entities This make is those very mistakes. true. Um, and this is, yeah, my, my, my own views are a bit maybe Jane is faced in this in, in this regard uh, as I, I'm also a big fan of the Benjamin Barber thesis where I think that you have a lot of, you I think in a perfect world in my opinion uh, everything that can be arranged as locally as possible should be arranged as locally as possible but everything that should be as arranged as globally as possible should be arranged as globally as possible uh but there's a pretty much two pathologies yeah <laughs> <laughs> everything that should be blue should be blue and everything that should be red should be that's just why i say it's it's james face and it's a bit weird and i don't know how the 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 practical 
version of this would look like, but if you would give me like a blank and I would be God, I would design so design a world or the boss of the world or the boss of the boss from the journal as uh, maybe uh... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hey, we talked before like he, he speak he's talking God now and we he said before a lot like he, like like I'm not into political theory as much as you are but like this is this is Catholic what you're saying now man this is like the subsidiarity principle this is the Catholic worldview like let's just find out on which level everything like up to God and then below that like we have the Pope and then we have all the world leaders like you're, you're well, an international I, I, wrote Catholic. My, I wrote my bachelor <laughs> thesis on uh, Catholic corporatism, so I might have been influenced by that a bit more than, than I would like to admit. But... <laughs> yes, yes, you're an atheist Catholic. <laughs> and I have a Catholic church in my backyard now, too. So. Oh, don't, don't let my, uh, my, uh, my dad, gra grandma, and uh, grandfa grandfather hear this because they would uh, turn in their graves. Uh, I've always said that if I would become religious at one point, I would become Catholic because their churches are the prettiest. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> like also, like uh, like talking more like America. Did you see the whole thing about um, these senators uh, who were on the intelligence committee who were briefed on the on the um, on the Corona situation? I think in January, and then they sold their like stocks, and they still like. Set to do, and then some of them actually invented in Zoom, invested in Zoom, and then they uh, then they um, went to the public and they said, "No, no, all good." I, I all think good. there <laughs> are uh, laws against this, which is uh, you can't trade with prior knowledge. Uh, they should be trialed for this, for sure. Yeah, the, one of the ladies said that she had no clue, and that she actually doesn't manage um, manage her own because most of them don't manage no, their own portfolios, right? People in it, but, but that is extreme. Yeah, but <laughs> even though, like, you, you are responsible for the things that happen under your responsibility, also, if you are an entrepreneur, um, you are responsible for what your employees do. Uh, if they go around, uh, I don't know, slapping people in the face, uh, it's uh, during work time or, or yeah. doing illegal stuff, that, that's also they can be trialed, but you can be trialed as well. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, I agree. But if the if the whole possible crime is like trade with foreknowledge, then there should actually be, and you have all your your equity, you have it in a in a fund, so some people manage it for you. Then what should be established is that you actually told them like, okay, now you should sell this stuff. So then the FBI should actually get involved and you know trace your emails and whatever. Yeah, and it's very hard to establish. Like if you would. If you that this fund actually makes it so much easier because if you wouldn't have that fund, you would have done that. And everyone would be like, okay, now we can legitimately do research on that. But if you say no, 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 like I actually haven't done it, then like like police force should inter intercept your communications or whatever. How how, how are you going to prove? Oh, but, it? Yeah, it's very hard to trace such a thing. But but what I think it's like, and I wonder what your opinion on this is because this is also my opinion on the general American election where you said we have now two sex offenders fighting each other. Uh, which might be true, might be not true, but at least you know they are they are these two like like men like America's finest, right? And then you heard the stories about the senators. Like it doesn't seem it's in good shape. Do you think? I do so? not. I also think it is a problem that the whole system is being run by. Uh, and I'm gonna sound super woke now. Uh, 60, 65 plus white uh, old men, uh, b because mm -hmm. and this has <laughs> nothing to do with with them. Uh, it has something to do with that. I only think you can run an effective organization uh, or a large organization if 
you somewhat manage to incorporate successfully all the people that you want to cater to or represent. And right now in American politics, this is absolutely not the case. And you could even argue that China is doing this better because they're just assimilating everyone to what they think the government thinks they should think. Um, it's not the way that I would do it because I would not like that if, if that was would be done to me. But um, yeah, this is a serious problem. Uh, a lot of people do not feel in the US, but also maybe in Europe, I think it's a bit less here, but it's, it's a problem here too. They don't feel that uh, the power structures are there to work for them. And this leads to a lot of resentment and, and anger, which I, uh, I, I, I do, I do, I do think that's true. But on the other hand, I also feel what's the main difference between say Europe and some other countries I've been to is that, uh, people in Europe still sort of have the expectation that power structures should work for them. Well, in some like non-Western countries, people have just given up in entirely on the power structure and they kind of like it if it works for them, but they don't expect anything. But I think that's a bit of a, yeah. of a side note. Like we're, we're almost on our time then, but I want to I'll ask you one last like shout out question and you have to be like as, you know, as, as edgy and interesting as you I'm can. Very, I'm, real, a, like, I'm very, I'm very centrist. So that's going to be... Banger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be dope. No, because we, we, we already mentioned years before the election of Trump. Like you mentioned Brexit. Uh, we had all these things. People were talking you know, the, at the end of, of the, the, the world order, the end of the liberal world order, the end of multilateralism. Um, now Corona happened. The people, countries have closed their borders. Uh, global su supply chains are disintegrating. Is this then finally the end of, is this our reverse Berlin Wall moment? Is this the end of multilateralism uh, as we know it? Either that, it falls apart, or we get a global, uh, international, uh, repressive, totalitarian world government that's going to do everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You check the entry pod. <laughs> optimist, optimist. Don't quote me Okay, that, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> we we will. No, thanks for thanks for this uh, yeah. this whole episode, Len. It was very like both parts. I think it was very yeah. Yeah, to, yeah thanks for inviting you. me. Good I, uh, you. I had I enjoyed myself greatly, um, and I'm uh, looking forward to uh, hearing the hearing how it turns out, how, how bad I sound. <laughs> I sound beautifully. It's like it's like an oyster opening up in my ear. It's like it's like melting butter on your yeah, tongue. Melting butter on my tongue. <laughs> By the way, before you go, then Tom, one one last yeah, moment. Exactly. Yeah. A shout out. Tell. Yeah, we have to we have to tell something. We are working on a new project again for the coronavirus uh, for King's Day because in the Netherlands we always celebrate the birthday of our king, of course, on the twenty mm seventh -hmm. of April. And in our city in Utrecht, you of course can't go into the city to celebrate. Normally, thousands of people are on the streets drinking beers and whatsoever. So we started the initiative Willy in your own camera.nl. And the idea is that you order a beer box with six beers that are brewed in Utrecht, and you can celebrate via Zoom links in six bars in Utrecht, your King's Day. And all the money that we uh, make with that will be directly given back to the uh, pubs who now have, um, how do you say, have a massive decrease well, in revenue. Yeah, so that's, all goes that's a beautiful side. initiative, yeah. guys. Uh, usually, I celebrate it here in Amsterdam. I might celebrate uh, King's Day in Utrecht this year. Then, <laughs> uh, that, that's so good to hear. Thanks, That'll be man. good. Yeah.
Okay, then, um, because I think we have to say one more thing to our listeners and um, to a very, very solid listener base. Um, uh, we're very happy that you're so loyal to us. We haven't been so loyal to you because this has been uh, two and a half weeks since we uh, did the podcast. Mm. Uh, but we will do an, another one this Sunday as a... Uh, so we will do it's two a bonus in one week. special, <laughs> and we have we have updates on the we will have merch, and we'll talk about that. Yes, later. We, Next, will, we, we will talk about that on Sunday. On Sunday. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much all.